With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Gee, thanks for unmuting us this time, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it is live on the W2M Network to tape, we think, here for the kickoff, episode 6.2. My name is Harry Broadhurst. <laughs> Welcome in, everybody. Joining me, as per usual, are my co-hosts, Brandon Biscabing. Hey, hey, hey. Stephen Ur Third. What's going on, world? And our traditional producer, Eric Watkins. Hey, 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 hey. Wait a minute. Why do I feel like I've done that before? (laughs) (laughs) We're having deja vu. This is a sense of deja vu all over again. Oh, hello, hello, and hello, and 50 million hellos. Let's... Let's moose, let's moose it along, people. All right. The, the voice you just heard was that of our actual producer, the man on the ones and the twos, hopefully not muting us this time, Sean Garmer. You know, I can do it again if you want. <laughs> I, would pre- I would prefer not to have to start the show a third time if that's yes, all. Let's not could. have take three. <laughs> there were some technical difficulties here at the kickoff with our first attempt at this, so we're going take two. Luckily, it'll give us a chance to kind of tighten up everything that we did on our first episode while I didn't reveal any of the major topics that we usually have in our later segments. So with that being said, gentlemen, we are a presentation of the W2M Network. You can find us online at W2Mnet.com, where you can find podcasts and articles and reviews on all things from wrestling to video games to soccer, which, by the way, way to blow it, USA, to... Don't even get me started. So much. One of my other countries will get in this year. I Well, I got England going for me, so I got that. I, and, I know I've got Germany. I'm hoping for Ireland. Germany is a traditional soccer powerhouse, so, you know, go Germany for me. So, in addition, like I said, football, wrestling, soccer, video games, and so much more in the worlds of entertainment and stuff. You can find all that over at W2Mnet.com. I'll be plugging more specific stuff as far as W2M goes a little bit later on in the show. But for now, gentlemen, let's get back into this again. Let's try this a second time with our studs and duds. (laughs) Eric, you start. Okay, now, let's just flash back. No, not ten minutes, but a few days ago instead. Everybody was hyping up a certain Pac-12 game where a certain ranked team was on the road, and a certain producer said that said ranked team was vulnerable for upset, and I felt, no, they've got it in the bag. 
Well, look at who was right. My stud in honor of that this week, Luke Falk. 24-42, 282 yards, three touchdowns, 33-10 win against the Ducks in my not-so-favorite neon yellow uniforms. Oh, speaking of ugly uniforms. Oh, the Ducks. Yes, quack, quack, quack. They played whack, whack, whack. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of uniforms, did you guys happen to... Ch- uh, okay. Um, <laughs> did Harry just <laughs> die or something? <laughs> what happened? I lost Harry. Uh, take well. Uh, somebody go on with your studs and duds, I guess. Since okay, I'll 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 go with my stud. Uh, my stud for this week uh, is Khalil Tate, quarterback from Arizona. I'll stay in the Pac-12. Uh, Three twenty-seven yards, four touchdowns, in a win over Colorado. And a little side note. That game was a big running game as Philip Lindsay of Colorado was second in rushing. Khalil Tate was first in rushing with the 327 yards, and Philip Lindsay was second in rushing in the NCAA with 281 yards and three touchdowns. So, in the in a Pac-12 that is normally known for their passing. This week in that game, both teams had very dominant rushing games. So a big running game in that one. Surprising for the Pac-12. Hey, offense is offense no matter how you get it. It just makes the game oh, go yes. faster. Which, late at night, I'm not opposed to. <laughs> <laughs> so my stuff for the week is Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers quarterback, if you don't know that by now. Uh, yeah, I we said this before, and we'll say it again. Dallas left Green Bay too much time. Men to 13, way too much time for Aaron Rodgers. He came into clutch, though. With 11 seconds left, he threw a game-winning touchdown to Devonta Adams to break the hearts of Cowboys fans. I was expect, I was hoping my Cowboys would go 3-1, and one, start 3-1. That would have been great. But we are now 2-3, and three, and we are going to our bye week under 500. Thank you, Aaron well, Rodgers. I did say that it was going to be a two and two start to the season. I just kind of expected that without Zeke Elliott. So yeah, don't know what to tell you there. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, going into my dud for the week. Okay, Jaguars fans, I know you have a lot of hope. Don't. Okay. Ben Roethlisberger, 33 for 55, which is kind of decent. 312 yards. Good. Five interceptions. That's bad. <laughs> Two of those interceptions being returned. Very, very bad. That's worse. I, <sighs> Ben, don't, no, don't do this. You know the Jaguars and Steelers have had a long history. You know what a win like this for them would mean. The fact that they went up to Heinz Field. They're now sitting at 3-2. and two. Don't. Stop it. 
I don't want to have to hear any more weird stories about any sort of belly flopping contest in the parking lot of Everbank. Once a year is enough. Please, Ben, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, my my dud for this week is Trey Sermon from Oklahoma. Only had 144 total yards. I think had about 70 or 80 rushing yards. I know it was under 100. And had one fumble loss in Oklahoma's loss to Iowa State. So that is a very bad game. Uh, Oklahoma, the whole team was bad, but he has to get a uh, special mention because of just they could not get anything going on the ground in that game, and that hurt them a lot. My dud for the week is Mitchell Trubisky. He got his first end of a start against the Vikings, and he threw completely less. Excuse me. He completed less than half of his passes for about, what, 168 yards? I didn't like him coming out of North Carolina. You know, I felt like he was a little overrated. Yeah, he threw 30 touchdowns. That's awesome. He played one year. So we were going, when he, before the Chicago drafted him, everyone was saying, oh, he was going to be a good quarterback. No, one year. It was one year. I want to see what he does in the NFL. And after one start, he's not showing me anything. To be well, fair, he, it's his first start, and it's against uh, Minnesota. So <laughs> Yeah, Minnesota. And they almost still won the game. Exactly. The Purple People Leaders defense. Lest we forget, that game was 3-2 at the half. Not to mention, they did the same to him in that game like they did in the preseason. So he really wasn't expected to set the world on fire. Just one game. It's not terrible. Well, for this week, he is a dud, and they almost beat Case Keenum. Not that big of an accomplishment. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> Case Keenum, he's had some good days himself now, so I can't complain. But the fact that they brought him in, why Sam Bradford was starting, I have no idea. Clearly, he ain't 100% right. <laughs> Apparently not. So I guess we'll move on now to So That Happened, our new segment here on the kickoff. Uh, and we started off by talking about how Arizona traded for Adrian Peterson, who was doing nothing in New Orleans. I'm going to ask you guys now, how do you feel about the move? Well, Chris Bronson, I mean, don't go tweeting out stuff. Because, eh, (laughs) that'll likely come back to bite you. We've seen that happen before over the past couple of weeks. I mean, it's good to where he's a good fit. He's Almost a David Johnson style, just much less of a receiving threat. I like the move because, my God, Carson Palmer needs help. Yeah, I I like the move as well for that reason, but also because the Cardinals got Adrian Peterson, who I still think if he's put in the right system can be a very good running back. He's getting up there in age, but he still can be a very good or at least a, you know, above average running back in the NFL. And he's getting traded from the Saints who were basically not using him at all. I mean, we've seen his outrage at Sean Payton during week one when he wasn't hardly being used at all against his former team, the Minnesota Vikings. 
and that really hasn't improved at all over the past couple of weeks. And, you know, the Cardinals pretty much got him for nothing. They traded a sixth-round pick for him. So, you know, they they definitely came at, as long as Adrian Peterson can show over the next couple of weeks that he can be a good running back in the NFL still, and can still, I mean, I don't think he'll be that top guy that we saw back in, you know, 2008, 2009, 2010. But I still think that he can be a serviceable running back and help the Cardinals out immensely. So definitely a big win for the Cardinals. Yeah, I like the move. I love the move. I mean, Chris Johnson wasn't Brian Hugh. He hasn't been the same since the season 2K season of 2009. He hasn't done anything. I haven't seen much from him since. And with David Johnson being out for the next month or so, maybe two months, with the broken wrist, they needed to do something. And Adrian Peterson was – it was like a piece, it was like a puzzle. The pieces just fell together because Adrian Peterson wasn't doing anything in New Orleans. Arizona needed somebody. You add two plus two equals fish. So there you go. I like the move. I think <laughs> Peterson will do very well in Arizona. And to Eric's point, Carson Palmer doesn't need help. The Cardinals need help from getting rid of Parson Palmer because he is clearly mm-hmm. the issue. And they need to draft the quarterback in April's draft. That's another story for another time. Now it's time for Brandon's favorite part of the show where we talk about the New York G-Man. Oh, what a game against Los Angeles Chargers in which they lost 27-22. All four of their top receivers got injured. Odell Beckham Jr., out for the year. Sterling Shepard, he left the game. Brandon Marshall, out for the year. Dwayne Harris, out for the year. Brandon, what are your thoughts on all these injuries and how do you see the Giants playing moving forward? Uh, I'll talk about this a little bit more and get it together, although actually, you know what? I'll say get it together for something else because the Giants have no chance of getting it together at this point. So, yeah, the Giants... Um, they're at this point, considering you lost all your wide receivers, I, I hate to be this negative, but at this point, you know, just look at the draft. Uh, at this point, it's a little too early to be calling this, but it is pretty much the I-80 race for the number one overall pick. And for those of you who are not very good with geography, I say the I-80 race because it goes from New York all the way out to San Francisco. And on its way, it passes by Cleveland, which are the three (laughs) 0-5 teams that are left. So those three teams, I think, are the main contenders for the number one overall pick. I know it's shocking for the Giants because... In the beginning of the year, before this the season started, two of the, actually three of the four of us on this panel said that the Giants were going to make the playoffs. So, yeah, it is absolutely astounding that the Giants have had this big and this drastic of a fall from grace. I know it's not completely their fault because obviously you can't control injuries and a freak, you know, a freak week like this where you lose your entire wide receiving core in one fell swoop. 
there's no coming back from that. Uh, I hear um, I hear Terrell you know, Owens reached maybe, out to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, oh, don't don't what? start with me, Harry. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> oh yes, that's uh, that's quite a way to come back. But yeah, this. I figured, I mean, if ever a time for me to chime in here, uh, if you guys don't mind real quick, what did I miss Why my internet decided to take a crap? You, why don't you tell us your uh, studs and duds? All right. My stud is Leonard Fournette, which I'm sure Eric will appreciate. Um, 24 carries, 181 yards, and a pair of scores leading to Jacksonville's 30-9 to victory over Pittsburgh. Granted, Pittsburgh did a lot of that to themselves, with Big Ben having arguably the worst game of his career. I'm sure Eric talked about that. Yeah. At, at least we know our general manager has some sense and can draft and do free agency well. So there's something. But um, offensive line, quarterback, can we kind of get those next, please, and thank you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Jacksonville fans are giving up on Blake Bortles too quickly. I actually think Bortles has a ton of potential. Uh, he's a way better yeah, pick I than with that. He, he I, has I, a ton of potential after this many. Oh, come on now, come yeah, on! I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a fan of Blake I, Bortles anymore. <laughs> I, would, I'll be entirely honest with you. I would rather have Blake Bortles in my backfield than Tyrod Taylor. Oh, I agree with that. Mm, given day, yeah. it's it's a coin flip. Yeah. I don't know about that. My dud is former Tampa Bay kicker Nick Folk. Uh, congratulations, buddy. You cost your team the game. And you cost yourself your job and in the you process. You cost yourself a job. <laughs> well done. Very well done. Tampa Bay loses 19-14 to to New England on Thursday Night Football last week after Nick Folk misses three field goals, one of them inside of 30 yards. How do you miss a 30-yarder? Like, in, in, like okay, I am not a kicker. I have never been a kicker. I will never be a kicker. I will never be confused with a kicker. Although I kind of do look like a lost Grammatica brother with my pouch. That being said, <laughs> how do you miss a 30-yarder? What kind of NFL kicker misses a 30-yarder? An unemployed one, apparently. Well, well especially, especially now because a 30-yarder is the extra point. 33, if I'm not mistaken, but yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And again, I've seen kickers miss nineteen yarders. It yeah, I, believe that, I believe that's the um, the NFL record for the shortest field goal miss is actually nineteen yards. Well, I mean, with nineteen <laughs> yards, you're looking at probably having to chop at something serious from one of the hash marks. This was a twenty-eight yard dead-on field goal that he pulled left. Hello, unemployment. Thy name is Folk. Hey, not entirely unemployment. The Tampa Bay area has some wonderful car dealerships that I'm sure one of them would love to have them. Hey, hey, uh, Harry. Sure. Hey, Harry, considering uh, how you came back into the con conversation, would you have to say that that kick was a bit wide left? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean wide right. Sorry, wide right. Uh, the kick was missed to the left, and my team has three wins this year. Brandon Hush. <laughs> so was mine. So what did that <laughs> Yeah. Anybody anybody whose team is under five hundred doesn't get to talk smack. Womp yes, womp yes. womp womp. 
I'm out. <laughs> All right, so everybody got their studs and duds, and I'm assuming the OD, I'm assuming the Giants discussion I came back into is part of. So that happened with the Odell Beckham yeah, Jr. The thing. First, the first thing we were talking about was uh, was Adrian Peterson trade. All right, yeah, and that's where we kind of got stopped the first time we did the show. So I'll give my thoughts here real quick. Um, congratulations, CJ2K, you completely put your foot in your mouth. Peterson should get more carries. Well, he'll get them in Arizona, and you won't. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> what a fall from grace, though. This is a 2,000-yard running back a couple of seasons ago with Tennessee. He can't oh, yeah, I said, now. Yeah, I said that before. It's crazy. I mean, you know, he was such a huge commodity just five years ago. And then it, it's like the hype got to him when he, you know, the first year – that year when he was the supposed to be the number one overall pick in everyone's fantasy draft was when he finally started the fall. Yeah, well, it's not the first time a 2,000-yard running back has had a fall from grace. Just saying. I mean, five Very years true. is a long time. Let's hey, I, I, I will have... Eric, I will have you know the juice is loose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I'm going to say it. Apologies to any member of the Goldman family who may be listening to this podcast. Anywho, before I get myself into even deeper crap than I did, one of the things that I listed in So That Happened we're actually not going to discuss because it ties into my buy or sell questions, so I'm going to skip over that here. Hey, Eric, let, the question let me just say, Oh, go ahead, Brandon. Let, let me just say one more thing about the whole Giants thing uh, real quick. At this point... Like I mentioned, you know, focus on the draft. But I think at this point, try to you, you need to be in selling mode. They need to start selling some pieces that they can use to get either draft picks or, you know, other guys to look forward towards next year. See, that's not really as big. That's not really as big of a thing in football as it is in, say, baseball, where once your team's out of contention, you start selling off your big pieces. That's true. That's true. I'm th- see, I, I'm mostly a baseball guy, so I think in baseball terms. But I will say this for your little I-80 reference: two of those three cities you mentioned, that highway and a neighboring highway, didn't have to deal with an earthquake. So just keep that in mind. I'm not even going to touch that. <laughs> I, I get the reference, but it's so far over my head in the fact that I was like three years old when it happened that I'm not going to touch that. So Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, Eric. Yeah, yes. So you're at a college football game, right? Mm-hmm. You're at homecoming for said college football game as well. Uh-huh. Usually the big time seniors get recognized. It's a, it's a very festive atmosphere. Your team scores 68 points. Hey, you're partying. You've got this in the bag. You get to go home, have a couple extra drinks or whatever, see where the night takes you. <laughs> yeah, you're feeling good. You lose in seven overtimes. Wait, what? Hey, um, yeah. Welcome. Go to that one guy in that one room on campus. Because <laughs> I'm going to need something stronger. <laughs> Welcome to the world of the Mid-American Conference, ladies and gentlemen, where 
former New Year's Six participant, Western Michigan, decides to spoil Buffalo's homecoming, defeating the Bulls 71-68 to in the highest scoring overtime game in college football history. Boy, it's Buffalo just cannot catch a break now, can they? <laughs> well, their NFL team is three what? and two, so I mean they got that going for them. What what's with Upper New York State uh, team college teams and having very long uh, overtime games? First Syracuse with the six OT game uh, back in twenty twelve against UConn, and now Buffalo. There's something in the water in New York. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes, definitely. That's what makes our pizza so delicious. <laughs> and it's weird because the other two seven overtime games were both in the SEC. I wound up watching both of them. It was weird. <laughs> this is only the fourth game in NCAA history to go to seven overtimes. And as I said, the highest scoring total for a team to lose a game in NCAA history as well for Buffalo. Congratulations, Bulls. You screwed the pooch on this one. Did you know this this game actually could have ended in the third overtime? I did a little bit of research. I read the ESPN article about the game. Now, I'm wondering, what was the score in regulation? Because when this happened... Go ahead. I I have the answer to that. 34 up. Okay, so it's not like what happened in 2001 with Eli Manning and Ole Miss against Arkansas. That game was 7-7 at the half, tied at 17 at the end of regulation. Ole Miss wound up winning 58-56. Wow. Yes, on a two on a broken up two-point conversion pass, no doubt. Hmm. Or a stopped two-point conversion run, depending on circumstance. No, no, you know, that one it was a pass broken up at the goal line. <clears throat> ay, 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 ay. That was a weird night. <laughs> Anywho, I'm just I'm curious as to how you score sixty eight points and lose. Like how bad does your defense have to suck? Well, again, look at the NCAA's overtime rules. I mean, one game, oh. and all of a sudden you give up a you potentially give up a touchdown. Oh, we're going to be talking about that shortly, Eric. Don't you worry. <laughs> all right, Brandon, are you back? Yes, I am. Okay, because I saw the uh, notification thing told me that you dropped from the call for a second, but I wanted to wait until you got back, so I was going to stall for a few moments until you did so. But now that you're back, we can go ahead and move on. Gentle, lady, well, I guess just gentlemen. I was going to say <laughs> I'm a little out of it, okay? My tablet decided to crap out on me in the middle of a show, and it's not the first time it's happened. It, it throws you. All right, anywho. It is now time for buy or sell. All right, so all three of you guys are going to give your answer to this one. However, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of have to shorten the answer since all three of you are involved here. And, Stephen, I will start with you. College, NFL, or the mixed question? College. 
why do you think trap games are so common in college football? After seeing after seeing teams such as Oklahoma fall to Iowa State and Michigan fall to Michigan State, granted, in-state rivalry game, a little bit of added leverage into that one there. Why do you feel that so many teams fall into these kind of trap games? Not I really like buyers. Not really team, buy or sell per se, but you know, right? Teams, uh, teams, sort of, you know, they see, oh, we're playing an unranked team, so we're we're going to beat them. Maybe dig. We don't have to practice hard. You know, we are. The thing is that their ego gets so big, they think they're just going to win this game. There's no doubt about it. And then they go into the game and they don't win. They're like, damn, our ego is too big. We should have been more focused on this game. Eric, your thoughts on trap games? I mean, with how college football is set up a little bit scheduling-wise, and the fact that everybody hypes up a big rivalry game, no matter what it is. In the case for Oklahoma, everybody's looking for the Red River shootout, Oklahoma-Texas. Oklahoma, big and bad, may field a Heisman candidate. They figure, okay, our big time to shine is Texas. So they just figure, ah, Iowa State, whatever. We've got to focus on Texas. Iowa State, the week before, boom. They set the perfect trap and say, hey, we exist in the Big 12 too. Come at us. Goodbye. So I think with a lot of things, with the ride, the bigger the rivalry, the bigger the potential trap game, especially the game right before that rivalry. That just happens. Oh, okay, uh, under that line of thinking, I can understand that. But explain what happened to Michigan losing to Michigan State, though. They don't have such a trap game set up here. Michigan State's the biggest in-state rival they have. Yeah. Well, well, true, and I will give that because outside of Ohio State, Michigan State is the Wolverines' greatest rival. Third, especially when they played each other, they were Notre Dame. I think for that one, though, eh, it was kind of a reminder of what happened two years ago in Ann Arbor. Michigan was just extremely focused instead of playing on their own game, just not having that happen all over again. And Didn't, didn't Spate get hurt either in this game or before it? Before he got hurt in the last game. Yeah, but that makes a difference. You don't have your starting quarterback, number one. Number two, it's a rivalry game. Everything changes with rivalry games. How many times have we seen Texas absolutely suck and they beat Oklahoma? I mean, this that stuff, it doesn't matter how well you prepare. If the other team comes in there one net more, and I think a lot of people are underestimating Michigan State. Let's not – maybe people are just underrating Michigan State. Yeah. I, I think that plays. I think that plays into the whole little brother thing, especially in a in an in-state rivalry such as that. I'm going to. I'm going to agree with that to an extent in regards to the little brother thing for Michigan State there, because there are a lot of people who are looking at Michigan State as if they're somehow inferior to Michigan this season. Uh, Michigan State's only lost this year, as I've pointed out when I did the top 25 blurb for them. You can find our top 25 online at w2mnet.com. I pointed out that their only loss this year is to a very good Notre Dame team. 
So yeah, this is a Michigan. So yeah, I give you credit for that one. This is a Michigan. This is a Michigan State team that is very quickly rising up. I believe they're third in the Big Ten East right now, and that's only because Ohio State and Penn State are also undefeated and have better overall winning percentages. I believe Ohio State is five and one. Penn State is six and zero. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas Michigan State has had a bye week already, so they're four and one. All right. So, well, that let me get up. my. Uh, hold on, I didn't get my uh, full. Um, this this uh, this whole thing. It's each game is two different reasons. The. Uh, Oklahoma-Iowa State game is because of the myth of the lack of parity in college football. Teams go into either lower rank, you know, we see it all the time. I, I hate to bring it up to you, Harry, but I have to bring up Florida against uh, Appalachian State. Uh, it was Michigan and Appalachian what? State. It was oh, Florida, no. it was yeah, Florida but- Georgia Southern. Right, Florida and Georgia Southern. Yes, correct. So, uh, you know, games like that where the bigger name school goes in thinking, you know, we saw it this year with LSU and Troy. They go in saying, oh, these guys aren't on our level. We This is going to be a cakewalk. We're just going to walk in. Same thing happens even among the Power 5 schools, even among interconference games. If there's a lower rank, you know, a, you know, bottom feeder power five school, the bigger school is going to go in thinking, okay, this is going to be a cakewalk, especially like you mentioned, Harry, when you're looking ahead to a big rivalry game like the the Red River rivalry, um, you know, so when you're looking ahead and you're overlooking an opponent, yeah, you're you're bound to get uh, upset. On the flip side, in the Michigan Michigan State game, it's kind of quite the opposite. Where the the bigger school, while yes, they're kind of going in saying this should be a pretty easy game. You know, it should be a game that we should win. They're also going in saying it's a rivalry game. We have to be on our guard, but. The lower end, the the underdog school, the little brother school, especially in a in a uh, especially in a an in state rivalry like this, you know, same would go with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, or um, I'd say Flo- US- well, Florida and Florida State, they're kind of on the same level. I would so say I you would- could make the same. I would say you could make the same argument for the situation similar when it comes to a, a rivalry like USC and UCLA over the last couple of times. Oh that yes. UCLA oh, absolutely. Been. That's definitely a good example. Uh, Oregon, Oregon State is another good example. You raised Washington, Washington State. You raised uh, a very uh, valid. You raised a very valid point in that LSU Troy game as well because of the fact that the ta- the Bayou Bengals knew that the Florida Gators were the next team on their schedule, so they were probably overlooking Troy. Exactly, because they knew they knew um, that they were they knew that they were going to the swamp the following week. Um, you mentioned also the little brother thing, and I want to kind of touch on that real quick as well because I yeah. feel like there's something there with regards to the little brother syndrome. Because I think uh, here in Big Ten country, Michigan, Michigan State's not the only little brother situation here. I feel like Penn State kind of plays little brother to Ohio State. That is and, true, but I was more so looking at in in state rivalries. 
know. And I understand that. I mean, at the same time, though, there aren't a ton of maybe Auburn, Alabama would be considered similar then. Oh, Auburn, Alabama definitely would be one, which I think that's what happened uh, a couple of years ago when Auburn went into uh, Tuscaloosa and won at the last second. The kick six in question. Yes. Yes. Precisely. <laughs> All right. Well, Brandon, since you got the last say in this one, I'm going to go and let you pick pick first here. Do you want the mixed question or do you want the NFL question? I'll go NFL. Buy or sell. Aaron Rodgers is the best clutch quarterback in NFL history. I'm going to sell that just because while, yes, he's had a ton of clutch moments, he's only won one Super Bowl. And, you know, he hasn't had as many, like, while, yes, he's had a lot of clutch moments in the regular season, it really, really counts when it's in the playoffs. And you have so many quarterbacks, you know, Steve Young, Joe Montana, uh, you know, Tom Brady. I would even, you know, I know you're going to say I'm a homer, but, you know, Eli Manning even has had, you know, all of those clutch moments where, they really step up and and prove their worth in those moments. And I just don't know if he's had enough moments yet to put him... I mean, he's definitely a very good clutch quarterback. I just don't know if he, I would put him at that top level yet. What about your opinion on the situation here, Eric? Buy or sell, Rodgers is the most clutch quarterback in NFL history. Uh, I'm going to have to agree with Brandon, and I'm going to have to sell this, and it pains me to say, but until Rodgers can have another or even a big clutch moment in a Super Bowl, not just the playoffs, but the Super Bowl, TB12 up in Boston, he's got to be the guy. I mean... Yes, I'm the first to say a few of those rings were thanks to the boot of Adam Vinatieri, but at the same time, he got him in position to make that happen. And lest we forget what happened in February as much as I want to. (laughs) Oh, God, that, oh, so many angry tweets. But until Rodgers can pull off something even close to that, no, got to sell. Steven. I'm buying it. I've seen a lot of clutch moments out of Aaron Rodgers, and I don't, I don't care about, uh, so what's the Super Bowl title? Dan Marino has zero Super Bowl titles. Dan Marino will be in the NFL Hall of Fame one day. Steve Young, one Super Bowl title. Will definitely be in the Hall of Fame one day. Oh. Brandon's dog will be in the Hall of Fame one day. <laughs> Isn't Marino already in the Hall of Fame? Yes, he is. Case in yes. point, Eric. <laughs> Super Bowls mean nothing Sim- to me. It's all about the regular season success. Rogers had so many clutch moments, and I and not no, he's the most clutch quarterback in NFL history. And people, you guys, you guys are gonna laugh. You guys are gonna say I'm nuts. Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in NFL history. He does Whoa. what Tom Brady does. He, he works with a bunch of guys, different, different guys, and he can run the ball well. Brady can't do. Mm-hmm. Brady can barely run the ball well. Uh, I'm serious. You gotta stop hoarding the good stuff, okay? (laughs) Yeah, you you had me until that last statement there. Yeah. (laughs) 
Aaron Rodgers isn't even the best quarterback in Green Bay Packer history. Yeah, really. Uh, what, Brett Favre is better than him? Uh, Bart Brett Starr. Bart Starr. Yep. Uh, you got me there. Bart is closer to Lynn Dickey than he is those other two guys. I mean, I mean, I would compare. I would compare Rodgers favorably against Brett Favre just because of his ability to not throw as many interceptions as Favre did. But when compared to Bart Starr, I don't think there's any comparison. No, there is none. That being said. All right, Eric, that takes me to you for the last question. You get to start us on the on the mixed question. You ready? Ready. Buy or sell. The schedules for both college and the NFL need to be shorter. Ah. Oh, I'm going to buy this with a little bit of a caveat. I really think that for the regular season in the NFL – it's not too bad, but what they need to do is two things. They need to shorten the preseason, even by if they're doing it just one game, and figure out some sort of agreement, and go back to what they did so up until, I would say, circa 2000, and begin the regular season Labor Day weekend. I mean, if you think about it, if you have great matchups, especially on Sunday and Sunday night, nobody's going to work Monday. What's everybody going to do? They're going to come out to the games. That way, you start your regular season a week earlier, end it a week earlier, and you don't have your Super Bowl bleeding into February. So for the NFL, shorten it for, for some small tweaks. And for college... I definitely buy it because you, now that you have the playoff, now that you're ex going to, let's face it, in a few years' time at least expand the playoff, you're going to want less regular season games, especially if you're going to keep a lot of your bowl games around, which the way cities are acting about for having bowl games, you are. So shortening it and maybe going back to the old school 10-game regular season, I wouldn't have much of a problem with that. I mean, at the very least, you could be looking at going back to an 11-game regular season. Yeah, I would be fine with 11, especially if you have like an extra Saturday or so within that designated window on the calendar. That's fine. So, but why the, why are we calling for it to be shortened? I mean, what is it? I'm just asking, like, what 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 is the length of the season have to do with anything here? Yeah, I'm with, I'm with Sean on this one. I feel like I feel like the amount of the amount of football that these guys play over the course of both preseason and regular season is a lot of what's contributing towards the fact that the, these guys are breaking down at younger and younger ages and suffering these career-ending injuries and, in some cases, these season-ending injuries. Some of them are flukes. The way Odell Beckham Jr. got tackled was a fluke. He got bent back across his knee, across his ankle. There was nothing that could be done about a situation like that. But there are other things, too, like with a guy that's going to overwork his uh, – so it's going to be overworking his muscles but from excessive reps and excessive gameplay that's going to lead to more and more concussions, going to lead to more and more shoulder injuries, going to lead to more and more knee injuries, going to lead to more and more cases of CTE, uh, chronic I, I, traumatic. 
okay, here's here's where your phallus this is a phallus phallic statement here. This is happening early in the season. So it's obviously not having to do anything with the length of the season. It's having to do with them not getting enough time in the preseason and not having the right kind of practices because there there's so much no touching. Don't touch me. Don't touch nah. me. Don't do this. And that's, and, you're why the two days. The NFL, and that's why I say for the NFL, you only need to tweak to shorten the preseason so that way you give more time more scrimmages, more practices, more things to where, yes, not full force live hitting, but more live hitting, getting it in and kind of getting your body ready for it. Now, as far as the length of the regular season in the NFL, that's just fine. And for college, I say it's a different animal, especially because you're going to have your playoff going now farther and farther into January. And they want that. That's the point, though. They want that. The longer you're sitting there talking about the season, the better it is for that. They want that, but at the same time, that's one of the main things of why the playoff took so long to be implemented, having it bleed potentially into another semester. Now, if it's shortened to even where if it starts a little bit later, okay, that eliminates the argument at least a teeny bit. All right, Brandon, you haven't officially chimed in with your answer here. By yourself that they need to make the schedule shorter. I'm going to sell this for the NFL. I think they've got it pretty much just about right. You know, it starts at the beginning of September, ends at the end of December. So, you know, it works. It works on a time frame level. Uh, uh, for college, I would buy this with one caveat, and that is that you expand the playoffs. If you're not going to expand the playoffs, then there's no point. But if that's the only way that you will expand the playoff, then then do it. Expanding the Steven. playoffs is going to be way more than the. Uh... See, the season that's that's got to do with way more stuff that's going to be they would take a whole podcast to talk about. <laughs> well, oh, I know that, but I'm just oh, saying, yeah. you know, if you know, well, if if this, you're I'm not sure, going to expand the playoffs, then there's no point in in reducing the season. I'm sure. It, I'm sure playoff expansion is a topic we'll cover in more full form on another episode. I I just don't buy the whole like why they have to take a whole month between the. There's weeks in there they could cut if they wanted to. To mm-hmm. not make it to where you're well, waiting a whole freaking month and a half to play the the playoffs. Well, the reason for that is not because of the season. It's because of all the bowls now. And they're trying to fit all of those bowls in. And I honestly think if you expand the playoff, you're going to get rid of some of those bowl games. I mean, Which is why they don't it, want to. Well, honestly... I and I'm just going to touch on this because I know we could go around this for hours. But you give this maybe a decade, possibly a little bit longer, you're going to see the top brass at the college football playoff look more not so much at the FCS level, but the division two and three levels of their system and say, okay. 
how far can we really take this and at the same time make it work? Yeah, I'd much rather see them cut some bowls out and have meaningful games than have this many glorified exhibition games. Especially when you have teams that are have five wins yep. get a bowl yep. game count. Yeah, no, it's just they won't that. do it, though. They won't do it unless we have more seasons like last year where we have five teams, six teams that can get in. If you have a lot of years where it's four teams and there's no argument, they're not going to do it. You have to give them a reason to do it. Just why the reason why we had the playoff is because the BCS had too many kinks in it. And, and, and like I said, to say that more seasons like that won't happen. There was still even a little bit of an argument just last year. And even before that, it's like, uh, huh? And not to mention that, you know, right now, all of the non-Power 5 schools and, you know, even some of the Power 5 schools, cough, cough, Iowa, but, (laughs) you know, they're playing basically a glorified exhibition season because they have no chance in hell of getting in the playoffs. See, I think you guys are minimalizing the importance of some of the secondary bowl games. Some of these bowl games whose history goes back 50, 60, well, yes. 70 years. So, well, the, the bigger bowls, you know, the, the New Year's Okay, four. don't get me wrong. I would, have, I would have no issues with the Birmingham Bowl going away and being gone forever. I'd have no issue with losing the Idaho Potato Bowl because, frankly, I can't even tell you who was in the Idaho Potato Bowl last year. And I have a college football magazine sitting directly in front of me at the present moment. Yeah, and, and I give with your New Year Six and even some of your lesser, as you say, historic ones. Like, I live here in Jacksonville. Everybody, and I'm still going to call it the Gator Bowl. The Gator Bowl was always a big thing going back as far as I remember right around New Year's time. But for some of those, fine. But do you really need a Bowl game in the Bahamas. No, why not? And especially, and especially not when it's being played at a soccer stadium. Thank you. Or do you really need a game in St. Petersburg played on Tropicana Field? Oh, that was the or, best. I, I, I or, love that. Or a game. Or a game. I mean, I I like it in the sense of just seeing it again before baseball season starts. But do you really yeah. need it came at Yankee Stadium? Yeah, and they took away the game at RFK, too, which that's a whole nother story for a whole well, nother Well, I mean, time. they're going to take off RFK pretty soon. So. Sean, Sean, Sean. <laughs> all, right, all, right. <laughs> all right, gentlemen, this is getting away from us. Let's go ahead and... Steven, you haven't said your piece about the whole bowl game situation, about the whole bowl game and NFL schedule situation here, so I'm going to let you speak here, and then we'll move on because this is getting away from us. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm selling that because why would I want to see less exciting college football? I mean, look at I mean the first couple of weeks we've seen upset after upset. Uh, you see Oklahoma upsetting Ohio State at the shoe. Iowa State just upset the third ranked Sooners at Norman. Just imagine if these games were taken away from us. I think the 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 sport of football would be a lot less exciting. So I'd rather see more football, but I think it's an, I think um, 16 weeks in the NFL and 12 weeks in college football is enough. All right, then yep. let, me, let me ask you guys this then real quick here because I know I said I wanted to move on here. What did you guys think about adding a second bye week to the NFL season? Mm. 
if you again, if you start the season a week earlier, the Thursday before Labor Day instead of the Thursday after, I'm fine with that. Because the NFL did do this once, if I remember right, way back in the day. I think I just, the only... Oh, go ahead, Brandon. I, I think the only way that that would work, and it, it's kind of counter to what we're talking about, but the only way that I think two bye weeks would work, and, you know, this may actually reduce things while not cutting anything is actually expanding the season another week, having it 18 weeks, and then having two bye weeks. So you're still playing the same amount of games, but maybe not as many in one fell swoop. Isn't that what they said okay. when they were planning to make it 18 games? Was The problem was they had to figure out how to do another bye week? Yep. Well, well I mean, you could figure out a way to do it. Well, yeah, mean, but not with sixteen games. You couldn't. You'd have to have a. You'd have to do exactly what happened with Miami and Tampa Bay, and then that bye week doesn't help anybody. You have to start at week one. Well, I was actually going to kind of touch on that here. What if it was like Premier League style, where there was a specific week in the season, maybe the halfway point, where everybody is off. There is no football. That I mean, it would work in the sense of you know the players and the safety and all of that. I just know that because they wouldn't want to lose a whole week of revenue, they would never do it. Right. No, I'd imagine that would be like Christmas week or something would be the... But that's way too late in the season. Yeah, I was just thinking that as well. That would be way I would too late. I would put it like in the middle of the season, but that would put us right in like Thanksgiving territory. Or even before Thanksgiving, we'll probably be closer to Halloween because I know when... Steven and I have been going through this with uh, the Arena Football League. Yeah. They decided right in the middle of the season, the weekend of July 4th, it's a league-wide buy. And that. honestly, I think with that sort of convenient holiday, it works for them. But for the NFL, you don't have any convenient holidays like that to where it's like, okay, holiday weekend, boom, nobody plays. In fairness, the Arena League has like five teams right now. Well, they did this before they when they had more than five teams. So, yeah, there was. I that. mean, the only thing the only thing I could think of, but this wouldn't exactly work because I don't think Dallas and Detroit would want to give up their monopolies. Is to have the bye week the week before Thanksgiving, and then have Thanksgiving as a full football day. Hold on. Monopoly? It's not a monopoly. It's they choose to do it. You think that those teams want to play that third NFL game? They don't. They're forced by the league to do it. You don't think that they like having having all eyes on them that week? No, but it's not a monopoly. They people don't care about until Thanksgiving? Come on. People will watch the Cowboys. It doesn't matter if they're 0-15. No, I, I didn't say the Cowboys. I said Detroit. Well, technically, well, you said both, but no, it I depends said, well, on I said if they're good or not. Detroit. All right, all right, all right. Again, this is a conversation we could definitely continue much further into the show, but unfortunately, I, we do have other stuff to get to. So, shall we move on? Yep. Yeah. All right, we can definitely come back to this and touch it, touch on it again at another time, and I would be okay with that. So, 
With that being said, let's go ahead and move on here, and let's continue with Get It Together. Uh, Brandon, you were supposed to put the Giants here, but you kind of went on your Giants rant a little bit earlier. I, I went on my Giants rant earlier, so I'll go with another team. I'm going to go with the Cardinals. I know the Eagles have been playing a little bit better this year, but, I mean, come on, really? You lose to the Eagles at home? There, there's a big. That's a big reason, I'm sure, for why they picked up Adrian Peterson, and it's a good move for them because that will help them get it together. So, Cardinals, see, well done. Okay, see, I think you're biased against Philadelphia here, being a Giants fan. The Eagles are actually a very good team this year so far. Yeah, they are so far, but I feel like the Eagles are a lot like you know the Bills or the Dolphins, where you know. You're kind of just waiting for that other shoe to drop. Hey, speaking of the Dolphins, hey, Miami Dolphins coaching staff, get it together. You had to know that this topic was going to come up at some point tonight, gentlemen. Oh, God, yes. God. My One of Miami's offensive line coach, if I do believe correctly, has been put into rehab after letting a video surface of him snorting a line of cocaine before a training session. This I hear Pepsi. Come on! I, I hear Pepsi actually pulled their sponsorship because they found out the Dolphins prefer Coke. <laughs> that being said, how do you not realize that one of your coaches has that kind of a problem? In what universe are you that oblivious that you don't realize that, oh my god, one of our coaches has a cocaine problem. We should probably do something about this before the, it becomes national news. Wait, hold on. I hate to bring it up, but it's the same way that uh, Penn State didn't know that uh, one of their coaches had a certain Jerry other Sandusky. problem. Uh, he knew who he was talking about. He intentionally didn't want to say the name. Go yeah. ahead, Sean. You had something to say. No, I'm just saying, like, how many people have drug problems we don't know about? That's kind of wrong to say that yeah. that's the coaching staff's problem. Yeah. I, I feel like... <laughs> and I'm just going to say, look, apparently there was a stripper of some sort in the room. First of all, he wasn't doing it right. Second of all, this isn't the 80s. It, it's not part of Miami's image anymore, at least I Thought, Third of all, are yes. you that stupid that you let somebody film you while you do it? I'm just no, um, no. He Fourth of all, it is part of Miami's interest. The University of Miami Hurricanes say hello. Hey, hey, hey. Again, <laughs> 80s, 80s. And we still won national championships, thank you very much. Well, technically I Miami's just... involved in the other sport problem with legal things, so... We ain't bringing that up right now. That's innocent until proven guilty. I'm saying Oh, no. come on. <laughs> hey, Eric. Get it together. Honestly, I am going to give something of an honorable mention to Troy for what they're doing against South Alabama because, <laughs> my God, they're better than that. But Jaguars, Jaguars, Jaguars. Sorry. Okay, yeah, as if I didn't hear enough of that over the past week. Uh, my get-it-together, look, Ed Orgeron, you have a quirky name. You have a good history. You know the SEC. You were the first million-dollar-a-year, one of the first million-dollar-a-year coaches, especially in the SEC. 
really? LSU brought you in because you're supposed to be doing something relevant. You're supposed to be keeping everything going. You're supposed to be competing with the likes of Alabama and holding yourselves in the SEC West. They did not bring you in to lose to Troy. <laughs> really, Ed, I, I think, think about this carefully. If you want to stay employed in Baton Rouge, New Orleans is not far away. See a voodoo priestess if you have to. I personally am not touch. <laughs> Either way, you, good sir, need to get it together. Well, I mean, <laughs> they did bounce back by going to the swamp and winning, much though I hate to admit that. Yeah, but... Ben Hill Griffin is not an easy place to play, and they did come in there and more or less hand it to Florida for most of the game. True. Final score... Final. Final score was deceiving on this game here. It was a lot more of a LSU victory than 17-16. Steven, get it together. I have to go to Pittsburgh Steelers here, because not just because Big Ben threw five picks against the Jaguars, which, by the way, Jacksonville is actually doing something well this year. They actually spent millions in the defense actually doing something, so I'm impressed by them. But the fact that they have Big Ben, they have Antonio Brown, they have Le'Veon Bell, they have Martavis Bryant there. Why is, why is this team... Falling so far behind some of the best teams in the AFC. I had them playing New England in the AFC title game. Of course, now I don't have New England in the Super Bowl this year. But the Steelers are one of the top seeds in the AFC going into the season. They're not showing it now. They need to start showing it. They need to get it together. All right, so there's your get-it-togethers for this week. LSU's coach Ed Ogeron. Braden with an honorable mention to the Giants. Myself with the Miami coaching staff and Steven with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I hear a train coming. All <laughs> aboard. Chucka, 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 chucka. Steven? All aboard lane train, everybody. Uh, I don't know where I believe it was on ESPN um, or something. Stop, I stop, 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 stop. <laughs> Let me finish my statement here, and then you can go ahead and gloat, because I actually am going to do something you will not hear me do very often on this show. Bring it. When it comes to the Conference USA, anyway, Stephen, you may have been right about Lane Kiffin. Oh, I know. I, I said that. I said that Florida Atlantic was on upset alert against Old Dominion. Yeah, well, about that. Yeah. <laughs> 58-28, Florida Atlantic, eight rushing touchdowns. Good Jesus. Including four, four by their running back. <laughs> All right, Stephen, go ahead. Chugga, no, no, chugga away. Uh, uh, as I was saying, I believe that I saw it on ESPN last Saturday. Uh, Florida Atlantic has like a uh, – I might be wrong on this, but they have like a 98% chance to win the Conference USA title this year. So, yeah, it's still looking pretty good for Link Kiffin in year one. Well, to me, their big game sort of come up. They haven't played their big game yet. Because they have two games coming up that I think will be important here. One is against the Conference USA West leading North Texas, Mean Green. Hi, yeah, Sean. How you doing? Yeah, hello. 
<laughs> and the other one will probably decide the Conference USA East. That'll be a Thursday night game at the beginning of November when they host Marshall. Oh, that, oh, that's going to be a tough one. Yeah. Well, not only, oh, yeah. Not do they host Marshall, they're at Louisiana Tech the following week, who is traditionally a Conference USA power as well. So, well, oh, you mean they're at 30-93? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but, nice. okay, but you guys are no Mississippi State. That's... <laughs> uh, Big difference Which between is, Conference USA I, and SEC. Well, it's also ironic that I say that because Florida Atlantic actually has more wins than Mississippi State does currently. <laughs> Three to two. Hmm. For yeah, those of you, but, but I mean, do you really count a win? No, no. I am gonna no. I'm gonna shut up. I had to stop myself before I said something real stupid. <laughs> I will say this much here for those of you wondering: the Lane Train currently sits at three and three, two and zero oh in the conference for plus fifty point differential. They are the current Conference USA East leaders by half a game over the aforementioned Marshall Thundering Herd. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, Stephen, that game against Marshall is going to decide Conference USA East. It's gonna be a good one. <laughs> Uh, I have a question for you guys. Are you serious? On this show, very rarely. <laughs> we, is, we, we still need to get the tally. Yes. What is going on with Anaya here, Sean? You're killing us. We need our sound effect. <laughs> No, I was talking to you, Harry. We still need the uh, to see what oh, the yeah. everyone is. I I thought you said talent. I didn't. No, you said tally. Tally. Yeah, I, I avoid all things Tala related, especially when it comes to Tallahassees. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to go back into the archives and make sure I listen to those segments. I'll have those for you guys next week. I promise. Okay. And right. this easy joke of the week brought to you brought by people. <laughs> Now it's baby well, it's not craft anymore. <laughs> Can it be sponsored by Sargento? They need the positive publicity after the E. coli breakout. Yeah, huh. they, they, yeah, they uh, they had their chance. That was last. Can week. we stop <laughs> naming sponsors that we don't really have so we don't get sued? Thank you. Because <laughs> guess who gets sued? Me. So let's not. I actually said that they give us money, Sean. If, if Night Owl Cookies would step up and actually sponsor us, I mean, they, they can help with some of the legal fees. See, that's more realistic, so I'll allow it. <laughs> and maybe maybe we'll be sponsored by the Young Bucks Fun- Funko Pop figures. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. All right, let's go ahead and get into it, gentlemen. Are you serious for the week? Eric, lead us off, college football. You know, in the Navy... You, you can put your mind at ease. In the Navy, you can sail the seven seas. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> but in the Navy, <laughs> you're not going to win a football game this weekend. I mean, as much as I talk about Memphis, I have to give them some sort of credit for what they've done. And, oh, by the way, the, the alignment gods put you in the American Athletic Conference West for some unknown reason. 
Yeah, you're gonna go to Memphis. You're you're gonna walk there. You're gonna have your feet ten feet off a of beal, and you're gonna go home losers. Well, <laughs> let's see. UCF just made Memphis look like, you know. And, and you honestly don't think the Tigers are going to be mad? Um, can I just point out the fact that Memphis just put up 70 last weekend, Sean? I'm just saying, when UCF played them, they made them look bad. So. Well, that's UCF. That's a difference, and I'm still slightly bitter at them. That's going to be a fun game to watch. It's going to be like about, if they don't score each game, each team about 50 points, there's something wrong. Oh, no. Much like much like the Pac-12, nobody plays defense in the American Athletic. <laughs> Brandon, who you got, college football? Are you serious? My are you serious this week is Utah goes in and destroys the Trojans. I could actually see that because I think Utah is going to be pissed off about what happened against Stanford. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. That one ended ugly. Steven, you're up. College football. Are you serious? Yeah, Brandon just stole mine because all these games this week suck. <laughs> like, all these games are so crappy, and none of these unranked teams are going to beat a ranked team except Utah uh, beating USC in the Coliseum. Uh, disagree. And here's why. You know how we talked about rivalry games and trap games earlier in the show? Mm-hmm. And there was one specific rivalry game that was mentioned in the Red River shootout. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, but I wouldn't see. I wouldn't uh, see Texas. Texas, Texas is going to beat Oklahoma. That's not. I I just don't thing. see it. Just because they're going to be so pissed at losing last week to Iowa State that they're yeah, just but Texas gonna... is coming. And I understand what you're saying, Brandon, that they're going to be pissed off about losing to Iowa State, and I get that. Believe me, I do. But at the same time, Texas is coming off of back-to-back victories in the Big 12 against Iowa State, the team that beat Oklahoma, and going into uh, and taking on K-State last week and defeating them as well. This is, is a Texas I think team. it will be a close game. This is a Texas team that is currently leading the Big 12. Well, That's tied for the lead, but still. I, I was considering picking that one as well, but I just think uh, after that loss, I think Oklahoma is going to want to get some revenge, get, especially considering it's a rivalry game. They're going to take their anger out on Texas and just wallop them. You heard it here first, Texas 27-21. I'm going to reverse that. or I'll go 28-21, Oklahoma. All right, we'll see what happens this weekend. All right, Eric, that brings us back around to the NFL. Are you serious? Okay, I've got to look and double-check for my NFL upset because, yeah, some of the lines this week, I was like, okay, really? What, Vegas, what are you doing? What are you thinking? What, um... (laughs) There was just something about that that just wasn't entirely right. So, I am going to need a quick second. Well, while he searches then, Stephen, why don't you go ahead and go first here? So back in August, everybody everybody thought the Jets were going to finish show in 16, and this is going to be the worst teams in NFL history. Oh, my Possibly God. Than the Lions. And here we are sitting at, it was a week, really, week six now. Yeah, the Jets are three and two, and they don't look too bad. 
And meanwhile, mm-hmm. New England, this is oh. the worst Brady team in this is the worst team in Brady in Brady's era. Oh, no, no. no. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Let him see it. The Jets the Jets, oh, the my God. Uh, Sean, get your drop button ready. Ah! <laughs> Steven, I swear, if I have to put up with the New York this whole week, I am going to give him your phone number. Let him deal with you. You feel those phone calls because I'm sure as hell not. No. No. I no. I'll have to admit, Stephen, I actually considered picking that as my Are You Serious for this week. Um, but I just, it, it's the Jets. I've been around the Jets for my whole life. I know that the Jets just do not play well against the Patriots. Yeah, the they Patriots do. Are they always play them well. They beat them in overtime in 2015. Eric Decker, baby. That's true. So what you're saying is Jets gonna Jets? <laughs> it wouldn't surprise. I, you know I, what it is? I think Brandon's just angry that the Jets have more wins than the Giants do this year. Oh, you know he I'm is. so glad I'm not in New York right now. Because <laughs> the Jets fans would be insufferable. Oh, uh, trust me. They don't have to be in New York to be in <laughs> I speak for the experience. <laughs> Allow me to add to what Eric just said there. I assure you, it's not just the ones in New York that are insufferable. Oh, oh, I know this, but it would uh, be This is one of those times I wish Randy was still in our chat, man. That would be amazing. <laughs> you know he would be going off on the... <laughs> yeah, well, he's not, so... <laughs> All right, moving on. Steve, what you got? Oh, wait. Steven just gave us. I'm special. (laughs) Brandon, you're up. I have the Lions going over the Saints this week. Not an upset. Not an upset at all. On ESPN, they have the Saints up. Yeah, the Saints Saints are a a favorite. favorite. Okay. okay. I, don't, I guess we're I going don't, by the te- line. Technically, yeah, that is. I was going by line. So I don't, I don't follow line. Lines, that, lines are for paper. I, I, I agree with. I, I I agree. I agree with you guys that it that it would not that most people would not consider that an upset, but uh, it is. They are thinking that the Saints will win. Granted, it is in New Orleans, so you know that also plays a role. All right, I will say this much. If, if, if it's technically speaking, if we're going to go by the line there, then yes, it's an upset. That being said, this is a Saints team that has been playing very well since they faced Carolina in a game that I called a couple of weeks ago. So in, in New Orleans with the uh, Saints defense playing as well as it has been recently, I would say that maybe you might have an argument here. But in my opinion, the Lions are arguably the most talented team in the NFC North right now. I yeah. I would say they are um, I I'd say they them and the Packers are one too. Well, yeah, obviously we saw what the Vikings were capable of. They barely beat the Bears on Monday Night Football, <laughs> and the Bears are just awful. I and I mean <clears throat> that kind of yeah, that kind of leads into mine, and like I said, furthering with 
Brandon sentiment, there are some of these to where I'm like, what is Vegas doing? Are they trying <laughs> to give away easy money? And that's kind of where I'm going with mine in a game on Thursday night. I get both teams are playing well, the Eagles and the Panthers, but and I know home field being worth a field goal, but with the line at three and a half, that is just way too tempting for me. And looking through all of them, I'm like, yeah, this one is a good bet. Eagles over the Panthers. Hmm. Again, I was considering that, but no, I don't I think that's think an upset. But... Yeah, from a football perspective, I don't think that's an upset. Yeah, but again, I don't Vegas. think it's an upset. That's why I'm wondering what Vegas is doing. If you're looking for a teeny bit of free cash this weekend, uh, this should be a game you should look at very, very closely. And with the over-under at 46, that's another potential good bet. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. I'm actually going to step out on just as uh, just as thin of a branch as Steven just did. <laughs> Big Ben bounces back as Pittsburgh beats Kansas City in Arrowhead. Oh, Ooh, no. That's, that's oh, no. Good. He called good. it. Oh, oh, oh wow. That's good. That's good. Mark that tape. <laughs> Are you really serious there, Harry? <laughs> yes, 100%. Big Ben throws three touchdown passes, and they the Steelers' defense finally becomes the first team to shut down Kareem Hunt as Pittsburgh wins 28-21. This is more like the Harry is just desperate to shut Robert up in the chat. <laughs> and put some extra points. Would- which I forgive him for under the circumstances. I have a girlfriend that's a Steelers fan and a Robert Taylor who needs to shut the hell up. (laughs) One of my exes was a Steelers fan, so honestly, I would have said the exact same thing. I I can't fault Harry for picking that one. (laughs) Well, I have an interesting one. Oh, yeah, we didn't go to Sean for either college. He didn't get one. He didn't get it on Monday night. But I think he gets it this time in his away debut for the Bears. Mitchell Trubisky and the Chicago Bears go into Baltimore and get the win. That's nice. That, that's a good one. That's, that's that's an interesting selection, especially with how good Baltimore's been looking this year. Also, watch especially, out on, especially, on, especially on defense. And, yeah, they looked really good on defense. That could yeah, be a defensive battle. They put it on Oakland. Yeah, but this is also the same Baltimore team, I mean, 44-7. Okay, that's fair. And the Bears', <laughs> Bears defense looked really good. I, I also say watch out for Monday. Uh, Mariota's return could get spoiled. Yeah, with, with, with that uh, Bears-Raven game, I mean, if you're looking at another one of those that could be 3-2 for a while, yeah. or another one that, that could potentially end up in a tie, Sean. <laughs> seriously, how the hell does 3-2 to two at halftime happen? Because Bradford was that bad. Yes. So was yes. Trubisky. His yeah. only touchdown pass was on a tip drill. 
Hey, that happens, and then he had the cool two-point conversion, so don't, you know, don't be hating. All right, the naked bootleg on the two-point conversion was impressive. I'll give him that. <laughs> that wasn't just a naked bootleg. That was a reverse pitch back to him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus, there was a lot going on that I missed on that play then. Yeah, I that was... Yeah, to say. And to be fair, to be fair, they have, like, no receivers in Chicago. I mean... Yeah, and- the only decent receiver that they had in Chicago left for Philadelphia last year. His name was Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah. And then they cut Victor Cruz, mm-hmm. who they brought in in the preseason. Hey, I have I wonder no idea the why they didn't re-sign him either. Like, I wonder if the Giants could use a Victor Cruz. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Again. Yeah, they, they could sign him back. I wouldn't mind him coming back. I still don't think any salsa dancing is going to help their case this year at 0-5. No. But hey, no. stranger things have happened. Do we have anything else to touch on before we get out of here, gentlemen? I, I, I think we're covered. Yeah, I think we're pretty much good. If I'm not hey, mistaken, Brandon. the I'm trying to say that if I'm not mistaken, the Giants do have rookie Travis Rudolph on their practice squad. Maybe they call him yeah. up. Oh, he's already been yeah, called up. Really good. Oh, good. Travis, <laughs> little brother. Ah. Brother from they, another they mother, Sign their, uh, <laughs> their first round wide receiver pick, which now is it w- was a huge blunder in their in in their uh, uh, decision making this season. All right, so let's go ahead and get some plugs in before we officially step out of here. Hey, Brandon. Yes. Your return to pay per view podcasting was this past Sunday, was it not? Yes, it was. Why don't you go ahead and tell everybody about that real quick? Yeah, if you guys want to hear my um, my talking about Hell in a Cell, which uh, is very... If you guys have been longtime listeners to uh, Wrestling to the Max, I go especially brutal when it comes to stipulation pay-per-views. And unlike a couple of years ago where I buried Hell in a Cell to the ground... This year was actually a very good Hell in a Cell uh, pay-per-view, and you can hear my praise for it on this week's uh, edition. Indeed, it's Brandon joining Gary Vaughn and Sean Garmer for the W2M Hell in a Cell pay-per-view review. Is Paul there, too, or did he fall asleep Paul, on that actually. One? Gary, Gary was not there. Oh, so Gary was out because of just returning from the cruise. I got them mixed up. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So Paul stayed awake for that one. Good for him. Yes. You know what Paul didn't stay awake for? He didn't stay awake for this week's Raw review. So myself and Gary handled that. In addition, myself and Liz Puglisi handled the SmackDown Live and 205 Live reviews. You can find all those on the W2Net.com website as well. Steven, where can they find you elsewhere? You can find me uh, on the SCU show every week here on W2Net.com. And as well as... Eric and I do a f- couple of arena football podcasts. Well, me and Eric and I do an arena football podcast during the spring and summer. This week in the AFO, we'll ret- hopefully we may- might return next year, depending on how things go with the collective bargaining agreement with the arena football league. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is code for there might not be an arena football league after this bargaining agreement. Yeah. Not next season. It, I mean, it's be- looking kind of dicey. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> To be, to be fair, there are a vast majority of American football fans who have forgotten the Arena League exists at this point. <laughs> That's right. 
Eric, anywhere else they can find you besides over there with Steven on Inside the Arena? Yes, I happen to be on Inside the Arena. I am on Soccer to the Max, which, um, not so Stoke. much of a good week. Joke! <coughs> yeah. Hey, the ultimate, the ultimate trap game failing. <laughs> I, and I will say it now to introduce to this audience. I told people, remember 89? Nobody did. So there's that. We actually have a new episode that we will be recording in the very near future because MLS is creeping up on Decision Day. So you can find me there, my various writings on W2Mnet.com, inside the arena, on Twitter, at Squid Sportshead. When I'm in the right frame of mind, point of viewer, which, um, if everything goes well this weekend, Sean knows a bit of what I'm talking about. You, you might get an episode Saturday night. Who knows? Hmm. In, addition, in addition to what you should be paying attention to for this weekend as well is the W2M Top 25 Rankings. Traditionally, they come out on Sunday usually Sunday afternoon-ish. You can find those over on the W2Mnet website as well. So, for our producer, Sean Garmer, the traditional producer slash participant tonight, Eric Watkins, my co-hosts, Brandon Biscabing and Stephen Er III, I'm Harry Broadhurst. This has been the kickoff, week six, here on the W2M Network. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next Wednesday night. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.